0: Everybody is so firm in their bel- it's like every- it's like America's on an ego trip right now.
1: No, we're in a we're like having an identity crisis right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like we're having a, we're like having a fucking dissociative identity crisis right now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping no. Don't catch you slipping no. Look what I'm whipping up. No. This is America you slipping though don't catch you slipping though look
0: what I'm whipping up this is America don't catch you slipping
1: it's always a great start
0: yeah welcome back everybody to another episode of real conversations with cozy and Murph. I am co-host JD Kozad. I am here with my Awfully attractive and seductive, maybe even possibly delicious. Co-host Cody Murphy.
1: What's up? <laughs> you forgot to say talented.
0: Oh yeah, 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 talented. It's uber talented, just dripping with talent. You get what I'm saying? I don't even know where to start today because we are high balling, low balling, free balling, and running everywhere in between. My mind's all astray. I was asleep about an hour ago. I fell asleep and I knew we were going to record today, so I admit to being quite the bump.
1: Yeah. Uh actually woke up and it pretty felt like I actually got a good night's rest. First time in a while, but I feel chipper today. I feel like yeah, I'm in a good mood. I it, it might be because we're recording a little bit earlier in the day. Yeah. But maybe that's a that's a trend we need to keep. Maybe Start recording around six instead of nine.
0: I like that recording on a Sunday because typically, you know, that's the day for us to kind of regroup and refocus. And then we mostly, most of I mean, the both of us have our day on Sunday, seems like. Right. So it's kind of a good group for us. And then I can probably crank it out by Monday night and it'll pop up on everybody's feed by Tuesday. But we'll work it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a better process than what we've, I mean, it's been random so far, but we're, we're working on it. We're trying to, to figure, you know, so get some more consistency. I mean, we've ha- we've had some good growth here in the last couple of weeks. So I feel like um, we get more consistent with it Then people will know when to expect, yeah. you know, new episodes and we'll be able to just, set up the notifications and stuff for, for that. But yeah, I mean, it's the start of a new week, new opportunity to make money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, weather news. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to kick it over to our weatherman, uh, Jim Bob, but he called off today.
1: Jim, Bob, wanna, Ma- Jim Bob McGruder.
0: I do want to give a shout out to uh, a woman that is that worked behind the scenes for us this past week. She went and created a new logo for us which is actually really dope If you haven't seen it yet it's uh, me and Murph uh, at a you know a round table with podcast setup it actually kind of looks official
1: yeah it's it's pretty dope actually like for real like it, it exceeded my expectations like whenever you told me somebody was making a logo for us I was like oh cool you know like we'll see what it what it looks like but then you sent it to me and I was I was impressed I was blown away pretty Dude. you know by it.
0: I was hyped when I first saw it. I was like, no way. This is super legit, and I'm highly impressed, and I just wanted to give uh, give her a shout-out.
1: Yeah, shout-out. Out. Yeah. Pro bono. Actually, no, uh, JD only had to send three feet pics, so.
0: <laughs> toes. I had to wiggle toes for half an hour. It was actually quite the tax, if you understand what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> it was worth it.
0: Worth it. To this day, you were just telling me about um, in New York City. I don't know all the details, and I'm kind of getting caught up to speed. All I've seen is obviously what comes across my social media feed, and you know that's how the world operates and how it gets updated. But there's a man that was choked out, and now the subways are full of people who are going to get hit by a train. That's what it sounds like.
1: Yeah, it's uh. Another one of those situations where the politicians are and the media are jumping on the opportunity to to politicize it and make it divisive. Whenever, if you look at the cold, hard facts, the guy was threatening, threatening people, innocent civilians, you know, innocent people. And someone took action to try to subdue this guy before he could. Try to harm people. So basically what from everything that I've gathered and you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. There was this African American guy on the subway, homeless. And he was having a mental health crisis and he started to threaten people um around that was around him saying i'm gonna fucking kill you or or you know i'm ready to harm some," i'm ready to hurt people something to that effect and you know he got out of hand and so there was a few um good samaritans that took it upon themselves to to try to subdue this guy and um someone got on his back and put him in a rear naked chokehold and uh, eventually the guy ended up passing away from the show So it's in a sense almost another kind of George Floyd type situation where you know there's somebody that's somebody that is a target for the liberals then there's somebody who's a target for the conservatives and now you have to pick a side instead of you know actually using your brain and trying to to Decide for yourself what would, you know, probably both of them were in the wrong and then, but some, but both of them were in the, but one side was in the right as well. Like, just put yourself in that situation. If you're on a subway, close quarters with somebody who's having a mental health crisis, a literal nervous breakdown, and they're talking about how they're going to kill people. You don't know if this guy's got a knife on him or a gun on him or, or whatever. And So what are you going to do? Like if you're sitting there with your family or someone that you care about, or even if you're by yourself, what are you going to do in that situation? If you're a trained, the guy who, who is getting accused of all this stuff is a trained Marine. He was a a Marine. I don't know if he's active duty still or what, but. So he's trained in hand to hand combat, at least somewhat, you know, and he took it upon himself to to wrestle this guy. And there was another – there was – the video that I saw, there was a couple of other people that was in, were involved. But the guy put him in a chokehold and the homeless dude was, like, struggling around and he wouldn't stop. So he just kept, you know, he kept the chokehold until he, I guess, basically went limp. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately the guy passed away. But it's just – so disheartening to see the reaction from all from they just have to politicize it instead of instead of just uh, looking at it from an objective point of view that's what I hate about this country
0: I'm just stating what I've read just in this short moment and I don't lean one way or the other I've stated that on multiple occasions but Jordan Neely A man who was choked out and passed away was arrested multiple times for assault, including of a 67 year old grandmother on the subway. The police were called out on him monthly for subway altercations. And he was released over and over again. He told the police he needed help. He had schizophrenia and ADHD. And I think if the protesters are going to be mad at anybody, of course, protesting has its place in it works if it's pointed in the right direction. But if anything, they should be mad at mental health services.
1: Well, not even that, because because the people who, you know, the mental health services, they only get a certain amount of funding. They can't take everybody that that has a mental health issue because then, you know, they would be overflu- overcrowded. So they need to be mad at the politicians who are making who are deciding to send billions of dollars overseas in a conflict that we really have, no, you know, don't have a, a dog in the fight in instead of investing in infrastructure, in health care, in mental health care, you know, trying to to solve these problems that we here, have here domestically instead of trying to to play the big hero across the sea, you know. That's what they need to be pissed at. Instead, they're, they're trying to make it about Democrat, Republican, white versus black, you know, military versus civilians, like whatever you want to say. But it's just ridiculous the, the way that people just feed into this type of fucking dumbass rhetoric yeah. that's always kicked around in this type of situation. Like, when are we going to learn? And I like how you, what you said about protests that protest has its time and its place and it it is effective in the right situation. And if it's pointed in the right direction, but in the last few years, protests have lost its effectiveness basically because everything gets a protest nowadays, you know, protest this, protest that. And at the end of the day, what the fuck does it actually do? Unless people go out and vote and try to change, actually make change, then even then, still, there's a lot of questions about like what what happens in our voting process.
0: Yep. You got to cut the head off of the snake, <laughs> and that's I know that's a catchphrase people hear in other scenarios, but. When it when it comes all the way down the train and it's affecting the common person like this, the only real change that can be dealt among a society is to work your way up and fight the top. You can't like you can't stand in the subway because there's still people that are going to and from work that have everyday lives. They're probably unless they're you know caught up with everything, they don't know anything. They're just trying to get off the subway. I have seen something where. You know, there's a guy trying to get off the subway. I mean, he's a colored man himself, and he can't he can't get off the subway. And he's fighting no fight at all. So, I just don't see the wasted energy. Time, like, I can't wrap my head around having the time of day.
1: To- most of the time, and, and um, this might sound bad, but most of the time it's The people who live off the government, who don't have a real job, don't have, you know, a regular work hours that have go out in the middle of the day on a fucking Wednesday and can just stand in the street for three and a half hours. Like who the fuck has time to do that besides people that really don't have anything going for them, you know? And I know it might sound like I'm hating, but like at the same time, logically, you know, if you have, if you're a middle class citizen in America you have to go to work you're gonna have to pay bills like there's no you don't get bailed out by the government you have to pay taxes you have to you know check your credit like that's just what middle class life is if you're not uh, one of the rich people or you're not super poor you really don't have as much help as the rest of uh, Of you don't have as much help as those other two classes of people yeah And so it's just I think it's good that we all that a lot of people have this energy that they want to drive change. They want to affect change in America because we need that. We need that energy. We need that motivation, that inspiration. But we have to something that has to happen where we get on the same page and we start working against the government instead of working against each other. We have to start breaking down these alliances between big, big companies, big pharma, you know, these fucking special interest groups with and the government like they're in bed with each other. We have to we have to do something to break them up. That's what 90 90- I say ninety percent. I don't really know, you know, the numbers, but that's what most of the problem is in America right now. Is that the gut the the government is incentivized to give these companies anything they want because they're gonna keep them in office. Yeah. And so it's just like a, such a shit storm that we're in right now, and I think in everyday small town America, you don't have those problems like you don't have people at each other's throats all the time like you do in like big cities. I feel like if I was living in a city right now, I would be doing everything I could to figure out how to get out, how to get out of the city, how to find a home that I can settle down in and just live my life. Because if you look at it, all the major cities across America are dealing with this craziness, you know, this ludicrous
0: Literally,
1: but like I live in Beaver Dam, so and like you don't see any like yeah there's some crazy shit that happens every now and then but you don't see like people rioting in the streets and burning shit down and people getting into road rage incidents and, and shooting each other all the time but I will say there's there's less diversity here as well though so like that's yeah. that's a trade-off there's less diversity less culture uh, it's more boring here You know, there's not as much to do if you're not like a, if you don't work in a factory or are a farmer or you like to hunt and fish, there's really not much for you to do here.
0: There's probably something to be said to, you know, in those small towns. Like everybody's kind of the common man. You know what I'm saying? everybody's got, everybody knows everybody, everybody works together. It's like, yeah, your secrets fly real fast in a town like that, but that might be what keeps people in check because that you can be here and go unnoticed and do your dirty deeds, do, do your whatever and never get checked by anything or anyone.
1: Right. And I mean, like I said, there's uh benefits and there's, um, you know, detractors from, from living in a small town like this, but it's, Way safer. I would If I had a family, which I mean, I do have a family, but if I was living in a city and I had a family, I would like I said, I wouldn't move out because it's just so much safer. And your kids are, are exposed to less A, violence, and B, just like craziness. And I mean, I never grew up in a city. I never lived in a city. The biggest city I ever lived in was Owensboro.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, but even now Owensboro is getting pretty pretty, you know, unpredictable. There's shootings all the time in Owensboro. And back 10, 15 years ago, you know, if you heard about somebody getting shot in Owensboro, it was a big deal. But now, you know, it's just like a, you know, business as usual.
0: Yeah. I see, because I still follow the Owensboro police scanner thing on Facebook. And I see all the time about things. It wasn't even like that when, I lived there, what, four years ago, bro.
1: Yeah, it's rapidly getting worse.
0: And it's all the cities. It doesn't, it doesn't, I, I know every night in my house, I can sit here and listen to the gunshots ring. And it's just, like you said, there's something to be said about if you, if you are at that point in your life, it's time to get the hell out of the cities.
1: Because not only because it's safer, but like all of the cities are moving towards all these liberal policies, all these liberal, all the talking points that the, that the left is pushing. And I, uh, we try to stay neutral here. I always try to stay neutral and it does. And I guess if you listen to our podcast consistently, it seems like we're always talking shit about the left and liberals and Democrats, but We're at a point where everything that they like, 99% of the shit that they want to enact and put into motion is just straight ridiculousness. It's literal crazy people are in the White House right now, and they're trying to push all this policy on us. And people are starting to push back. I think finally people are starting to realize like people who were in the middle, who were, who were maybe had their reservations about conservatives are now looking at the liberals and being like, holy shit. Like I'm going to the right because you guys are, if you do anything out of line with, if you say anything that they disagree with, then you're automatically canceled. You're automatically doxed. You're automatically, you know, even if, you might be in the right like you might actually have the moral correct action and they're still going to uh, ostracize you because you said one thing that they didn't that they didn't agree with
0: yeah it's like they load the gun they get, well they give you the ammo they hand you the gun and they want they're wondering why you have a gun It's like you guys gave us the ammo and all that shit for us. Like you guys are not expecting any pushback when all you guys do is put out information and just receive just stuff to receive type of backlash on because it seems so asinine when you when you just think about man, everything. And I like you said and it's I never like to get political because in reality, I don't know shit about shit, but everything that you do see, you know, it pushes you in a direction and it's away from ugly. <laughs> so I'm
1: well, kidding. not only, not only that, does it push you in, in, in a direction, but you have to have an opinion. Now you see, you could be like, well, I don't, I don't really have an opinion, but now, nowadays with the, with social media and everything, the way it is like, you have to have an opinion. Yeah. Because at some point it's gonna come up in your in your life and you're gonna to have to make a decision on, on what you actually think about it. We're getting closer and closer to, to this to this boiling point, I feel like, to where eventually you're gonna to have to pick a side. Because that's the only option that we're given here in America. It's either left or right. There's no middle ground. There's no hey, let's compromise and come up with a better solution. It's either you're with us or you're against us. And I don't. I think that goes against everything that America, yeah, really has stood for for the last two hundred some odd years.
0: Everybody is so firm in their beliefs. It's like every. It's like America's on an ego trip right now.
1: <laughs> no, we're in a we're like having an identity crisis right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like we're having yeah. a, we're like having a fucking dissociative identity crisis right now.
0: They're like, oh, I know I'm right, but it's like, no, you're blatantly wrong, and I can work with you to come to the terms of what is correct, but you don't want to hear nothing about it. that's that's all of America right now.
1: It's just, yes. And it's so hard to, to, if, if, if I like, I don't know, I know I'm falling all over my words. here. It's just because there's so much in my head that I want to say, but we only have an hour. So, but it's so it's like, people are so, like you said, uh, what's the word? they they're, they hold fast to their beliefs and they're not willing to give any ground. And it's for me, a lot of the shit that I see, it's just hubris. They have such, so much pride and ego about it. Like I, I'm right. I know I'm right. And you're wrong. And there's nothing that you could possibly say to change my mind. And there's nothing that we could possibly gain from having a discussion. And a lot of it, I feel like it comes from the left. Like, I watched this video on Twitter the other day, and it was this guy. He was at the Texas State Capitol because they were pushing that bill for the the trans kids healthcare act or whatever I don't know what the official name is, but basically it was to to decide if kids in Texas were going to have the the right to um, to choose selective or gender affirming surgeries or something like that. And he's walking around with a microphone. And there's all these people who are wearing like their trans, uh, uh, trans flag shirts. And there's, they got all these posters that say all kinds of, you know, fluffed up rhetoric about how the government shouldn't, you know, have a place in deciding somebody's health care and yada, yada, yada. And he's just, he literally is going up to people and just asking them simple, non, um, the non, polarizing questions like are you a pedophile and they won't even talk to him they won't even acknowledge him they won't even say denounce pedophilia they won't even say anything and they have these security guys that are literally just following him around and are just like standing in between him and the people he's trying to talk to yeah like they're so scared to have an open conversation or even like even try to defend their position Because they know they're, they, they don't stand on a a solid foundation. Like it can be broke down so easily and it's been done uh, time and time again that now they're at a point where they just turn their back and won't even talk.
0: Yeah. I think you're talking about, uh, InfoWars. I've seen that. Yeah. It was
1: the InfoWars guy, which I'm not an InfoWars. Like I don't watch that shit. That was, that was just something that like came up on my, on my feed on Twitter and, it was just so it's it like blew my mind and I don't know why it blew my mind because I've seen uh, other examples of this in the past, but the way the left just shuts completely shuts down whenever they're faced with any type of backlash or having to, like I said, defend their position. They will not do it. They say, you're a bigot. You're wrong. I'm right. And I don't have to engage with you. And that's, that's, goes against everything that, we are taught as Americans to me, in my opinion, you know, like that was what makes America so great is that we have the ability to, to have that discourse and be able to, to give here, give there. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do this if you do that. And then we'll come together and come up with a better solution.
0: They remind me of the kid that, gets punishment and it the kid just shuts down. You can't get no response out of them nothing. They just they're just like turn her back to you, shrug away. It's like, "Oh, I know I'm being bad, but you're not going to get nothing out of me."
1: Right, it's childish. That's what it is, and that's what the guy that's what the the dude on the video, that's what he was saying. He was like, "You are all childish, petulant, you know, children." You don't even have the guts to, to face me as an, as a, uh, an upstanding adult. You can't even have a conversation. Like he went up to this one lady and she literally just starts bursting out in song, like just some random song. It was like some gospel song and she just was singing as loud and obnoxiously as she could into the mic. And it, you know, and it's basically like a big fuck you, like go away. Like I get it, but like, and then you have the other people who they just scream. If you say something that they don't like, they'll just start screaming for no reason. Like that's the left's response
0: yeah
1: is to just literally scream bloody murder. Like, I don't, <laughs> you're like, you're mentally fucking ill, dude. Like, holy shit. Like, I know we all have mental issues, obviously, yeah. you know, we've all dealt with depression, anxiety, addiction, or some, something, you know, of that form. Everybody deals with that, but like, I don't know, man. We have a mental health crisis in, in, in America and it's not getting any better.
0: That's where I was going to go with it. I'm going to say, as we've said in episodes past and conversations past, everything ends up boiling down to everything can be resolved with putting the proper funding. And I know you said it earlier, the proper, respect and care and treatment into people's health, mental health. I mean, how much would it help too if the United States had free health care? You could go see a therapist or talk, you know, get medicated for free. How much does that ultimately change the course of where the United States is? Because it's just so fast turning into essentially a living hell like are we living in the end times right now we don't even realize it
1: well we were living in the golden age at some point we didn't realize it so you know
0: that was 1999 yeah right the 90s bro i
1: wish i was i wish i could have grew up in the 90s like i was born in the 90s so i really didn't i was a kid in the 90s like i wish i was like 20 to 30 i wish it was like you know in the in the 90s Instead of fucking two thousand twelve to two two thousand twenty two,
0: exactly. You just imagine the, the peace that you could have in nineteen ninety five as a well. Just think about it.
1: Everything was cheaper. The economy was in a better spot. America was thriving. Yes, we still had you know conflict between liberal and and conservative. Like we, that's always been a thing. But people weren't absolutely nuts. You know, people weren't going up, going up in the mall and shooting the place up for, or going in a hospital or going into school. Like, it's like every week there's a new thing with gun violence. And I don't know if you heard about the, the one in Atlanta, but they were, there was an, a shooting, a mass shooting in Atlanta in a hospital. I can't remember what the name of the hospital was, but. I think they were looking for this guy for like multiple days and like they couldn't find him. He was like in hiding or whatever.
0: Yeah, Northside Hospital.
1: Yes, and it was a black dude. Yeah. And you don't hear any media coverage over it about it because it doesn't fit the narrative that the, the the gun control people you know, it doesn't fit their narrative so they don't push it to the forefront. They'd rather they'd want to sweep it under the rug and be like, Oh, don't worry about it. Because it's not a white you know, supremacist. Yeah. But this thing with the, with the dude on the subway, oh, he's a, he's a white dude that choked out a black guy. He must be a fucking racist. Yeah. Like, no, he's a hero. Like he saved people from getting hurt that day. But yeah, they're vilifying him in the liberal media and saying that he is a white supremacist, uh, you know, like,
0: and they slander the fact that he's a Marine and it's like, y'all don't understand so much stuff and it just you it's it's made so abundantly clear what the narrative is across all platforms it's like we're trying to divide every person even inside themselves to not understand anything and hate i mean we it's like we it's like every person that walks this earth not only hates each other but hates themselves so much that we're just gonna Put it out
1: on well, it's, right. They hate yourself and they don't trust their judgment, and so now, like you said, they're trying to muddy the waters and get everybody so worked up and confused and scared that whenever they need guidance, they go straight to the government. They go straight to the to the you know people in charge and be like, "Please tell me what to do." But that's you know that like I said, I keep saying this, but that goes against what our American values is. We America was supposed to the citizens are supposed to be able to govern themselves. That's what made America so strong in the, in the, you know, that's what gave us our power that, and we have two oceans on, on each side. So it's hard to invade, but like, you know, it's self-governance.
0: It's like the people have forgotten the ideology behind, you know, keeping people and each other in check. It's like, there's no, I don't like, they're so afraid to keep. I keep running back to keeping people in check, but like, it's a small things, like even just working at the gym, you know, somebody drops a paper towel. Why doesn't somebody go, Hey man, pick that up or pick it up for them. Instead, they just leave it, the trash on the ground and you can translate that to the largest picture. It's like, We'll just leave the trash on the ground.
1: Well, it's, it's, um, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week and they were talking about how America, Americans are incentivized nowadays to, to, um, generate apathy, like apathy. You know what apathy is? Yes. Like you don't do anything about it. Like you were talking about, you don't pick up the trash. You don't. If somebody needs help, oh well, I can't do anything about it because of what the repercussions. Part prime example: the whole thing about the TikTok girl and her and her dude at the gym that she would like was the feral girl at the gym. Prime example. Now, if somebody sees a a female struggling at the at the gym with some weights, I'm not touching her. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna look in her direction because guess what? I'm a feral beast if I even look in her direction, yep. you know, so basically just don't, just keep on staying in your lane, go do your business and don't worry about anybody else. Man. That's like the message. And that's so, it's just so de- uh, detrimental. I feel like right. you're going to get to the point where people don't want to do anything for other people. But I feel like that's only a narrative because if you, like I said, if you go out, everyday americans like small town america people want to help each other generally yeah. if somebody is on the side of the road with their car broke down you know somebody's going to stop and help them eventually
0: yeah
1: if not Anytime. multiple people you Anytime. know
0: and i've seen so this is playing into like you know you go out into america people want to help each other i've seen on tiktok there's this british Guy who's never been to the United States before. And he got viral for making fun of American dishes like biscuits and gravy. He's like, you know, that don't make sense. It looks putrid, blah, blah, blah. Well, like him and his TikTok fan- stardom, you know, got enough money to come to the United States. And he's doing this journey, you know, through all the states, trying all the food. And one of his biggest plays on is like, yeah, in the cities, you know, it's, it's like the Wild West. But you come out here anywhere else and it's every person I've come into is the kindest soul you know real people in America are still and so it pushes into what you're saying like it is a narrative and the, the masses feed into that narrative because they're so seduced by the devil that is social media but the quiet folk the the ones that aren't too far gone are what really make up the United States. And that narrative will never be pushed anywhere unless you get that, you know, you need that feel good story once a week, some hit media piece might be made up about the kid who, you know, saved his sister from getting attacked by a dog or something.
1: Yeah. And there's a place for that. You know, we need that. We need those type of things. But when I was younger, so when I was younger, I was kind of captured by this whole movement of, oh, you know, uh, you because know, I I feel like I in my lifetime, I have faced real actual racism, you know, like people. And this is not a, like a woe is me type. I'm not trying to, you know, say that I was mistreated or like, you know, like I was looked down on, but like. For real, in the past, whenever I was younger, like in high school, middle school, high school, and in my early 20s, I had a hard time. Like, there was a few girls that I wanted to date, but I couldn't date them. And at first, I didn't really, I didn't, you know, I was naive about it. I didn't recognize the situation. But honestly, it's because people around here, they didn't want their daughter dating a black dude. Like, even though I was half black, and half white I was still always looked at as the black kid in in my class and so nobody wanted their daughter to, to date me and so like whenever I would like try to date somebody or talk to somebody that would be always a big question that would come up well is your parents okay even when I got with Kaylee like her parents Totally accepted me, never had a problem with me. You know, they're, not, they're not like that, but other people like around her in her life, like not her family or anything, but like people that like family friends and like people that were friends with her parents. They were like, so you're okay with her dating a black dude? And they were like, why wouldn't I be? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but so like I was captured by that, by that sentiment there whenever I was younger. And so I had a lot of vitriol in my heart and like I I was real, you know, I got real worked up about it and like racism, racism, this racism, that, you know, America was, you know, a racist place, blah, 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 blah. They, they hate minorities. They hate this. They hate that. But as I've gotten older, you know, I've matured. I feel like I might, you know, obviously my brain has developed a little bit more. And now I see that, I was feeding into nonsense. Yes, there still is racism. Don't get me wrong. There's racism, but there's racism against everybody. There's 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 uh, oppression for everybody in, in in certain types of ways. Like yes, I, I do believe white privilege is a thing, but only in certain circumstances. You know, I don't think it applies. I don't think it's just like a a blanket statement that applies over everything. And so I don't know. I don't know what I'm really trying to get at here. But like I've moved away from that type of the hate uh, in your heart. That's what you're trying. To right. Yes. I don't hate like I like like I trust my judgment now more because I've been exposed to dissenting ide- ideologies. Like I don't just play into this 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 way or that way, like, I look at both things. Like, I used to hate Ben Shapiro, but now I listen to him. I'm like, the dude makes a lot of sense. I don't agree with everything he says, just like I don't agree with everything that Joe Rogan says or Jordan Peterson. But I still, I gravitate to that, you know, because they make a lot of sense.
0: And you can use your sense of logic, understanding, and there's something there for... You know, taking it upon yourself and learning the innate behavior of human beings and not under I mean, hating what they don't understand, not understanding what they don't understand, just being ignorant to the world. You know, it probably took you getting out of town for a little bit or even going to college to realize, you know, not everybody's like that. Or like you said, you know, meeting Kaylee's parents, I mean, that probably took a, a load off your heart. You know, you realize that not everybody's like that. Some of these people meet, you know, a hundred people in their lifetime and think all hundred are shit, but they ain't met the other 7 billion in the world.
1: Right. And I just feel like I, the world is so much bigger than, ever, than what you see. Yeah. You know, I think that if if I had to end this segment with anything, that would be the, the, the sentiment right there is the world is so much bigger than what you see. So don't believe everything you hear on the internet don't believe everything you read. Yep. The world, people are good. There are good people out there. Yep. Literally people
0: who would take their shirts off of their back, hand you the only money in their wallet. Like, trust me, I've been the guy that needs the shirt off somebody's back. And there are people out there that will do it even though they have half a shirt on, you know what I'm
1: saying? So I'm saying like, and I've been, I've been on both sides of that fence. You know what I mean? Like I've been the one begging for having to ask people at work for like five or 10 bucks because I didn't have any money for lunch that day. And then I've also been the guy that's, you know, Venmo's my buddy, 20 bucks or whatever for the week, you know? So like, I totally get both sides of it, but I just feel like, I mean, I don't know where I was going with that,
0: but you're good. You just gotta, people got to take things with a grain of salt. understand, you know, the work, like you said, the world is bigger than what you see. The world is bigger than that world that you live in inside of your head.
1: The eco chamber that you've uh, insulated yourself within. Like that's what the biggest problem is. People have to learn, especially young adults nowadays, Gen Z, I'm talking to you. You have to learn how to get out of your comfort zone Stop feeding into the same rhetoric, the same narratives that you've been, that you, that you like to hear. And you got to cross, cross reference your, your shit, you know, like you need to hear some stuff that you don't agree with. And maybe that'll open your eyes to something that you never even thought about. We got to start developing thicker. I don't know if I already said this, but (laughs) you got us, we have to start developing thick skin again. Anyway, let's switch gears. Talk some sports. We just did like forty-five minutes of fucking politics. And some damn shit. heat
0: right there. Beep, 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 beep. The fire alarm's going off right now. God yeah. damn!
1: Pew, pew 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 pew.
0: <laughs> we'll switch it up though because we did go off. Everybody. Well, let me say one more thing.
1: I was, I was just, just loaded one one up. One. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, like, I saw that shit on Twitter and the whole thing with the dude on the subway. And so, like, I've been thinking about that all week. You know, I had some shit I need to get off my chest. Yeah.
0: This, as much as it is an episode for us that gets released, it's also a good session for the two of us to communicate with each other, talk about things, share our emotions, share our feelings. and. You know, just like he said, Murph doesn't agree with Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson. You know, sometimes I don't agree with Murph, but we sit here and have civil conversations like grown-ups as every person in this world should hear the other side, share your thoughts, come to a conclusion, move forward. That is that is the process that all of us should take in everything. Step out of your comfort zone. Everybody's too damn coddled. I blame mom and dad, all the moms and dads in the world. You guys were... Too good a damn parents is what it was. Yeah. And now we're stuck here talking. About like, I don't
1: it. think you got, I don't think the audience really understands how much me and you actually like text each other and talk all the time. Like <laughs> we literally like daily on a daily basis. Like we go back and forth about all kinds of shit.
0: Every day we got something to fucking. Re- it's usually me saying fuck the warriors. But
1: yeah, <laughs> it is. I'm like, dude, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> uh, but we do have a lot of conversations so it's it's a, it's a built out camaraderie we, we spend a lot of time talking to each other we spend a lot of times I've spent a lot of time sleeping on dude's couch been there, done that shit, Murph's the guy took his shirt off his back for me a time or two so take lesson from the two of us on how to be civil just not how to be perfect
1: yeah, exactly so, did you watch the La- the uh, Lakers and the Warriors game?
0: I did watch the last Lakers night. and the Warriors. And it was, as we've said many times before on this show, a Lakers-favorable game. Everything was going that way.
1: Yes, it was uh, to a, a certain point. Like, I stopped watching after maybe like five minutes into the third quarter. Because I was like, you know, this game's already been decided. Usually, you know, I, I say, usually I say in the NBA game, the first half doesn't really matter too much because we've seen so many times in the past teams come back from 20, 25 down, you know, in the, in the first half and, and come back and win it. But, and the, and the, and the LA was down 11 in the first quarter and second quarter and came back and was up 11 at halftime and so and and a lot of stuff that i've been seeing is people are saying well the refs don't turn the ball over the refs don't um they don't foul every time in transition they don't miss eight eight shots in a row or some shit like that which i get that but if you watch that game you could tell there's obviously a Lakers slant, like they they want the Lakers to go to the line. They want the Lakers to, not necessarily the referees, but they like when I say they, I mean the NBA. Like they had because because the the referees get briefed before every game. Yeah. You know, like they get together and they talk about this shit, and so they know that there's a certain way they're going to call this game. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it was just obvious. Like most of the time, it's not as blatant as it was yet last night, but the refs are supposed to be objective. They're supposed to call it both ways, but that's rarely ever the case, especially in professional sports. Yeah.
0: Especially in the NBA is, I know that I say a lot of times that sports are rigged and I'm 99% of the time joking because I don't believe that in a sense, but there's just something so fishy about NBA referees. And I don't, it just—they have so much power to sway a game. It see every other sport, like yeah, a ref can blow a call, but that really wasn't the deciding factor. You know what I'm saying?
1: Right. Uh, but ref- if it's consistent over a, a two, two or three quarters yeah. of a game, then that affects the whole game.
0: The, it. I mean, it was like as soon as the Warriors went up 11, the referees. Every time down the floor, whistle – LeBron hadn't scored yet. I texted Murph last night, and I was like, "How is LeBron not scored yet? Instantly, as soon as they put up that, that stat line on the scoreboard, LeBron gets a foul. Like, it showed the audience zero points. As soon as it come down the floor, foul call. LeBron at the line, two free throws.
1: Like, almost on cue.
0: On cue, bro. As soon as – I texted him. He didn't have time to respond. I texted, never mind. Like, instantaneously <laughs> – and just, I don't know, man. There's something, there's something super fishy about the NBA to me. And I don't, I can never put my finger on it. And I watched games like last night and I'm like, there's, but th- there's a state to be made about, you know, the Warriors are a super streaky team. When they're hot, they're untouchable. And then sometimes when they're cold, you know, they they miss a lot of shots. They, leave, they live and die by the three. But last but- night was not that case.
1: Yes. And I don't think that home court advantage should have that big of an impact because the Warriors at home, they beat them by 27 and then they go away to LA and they get beat by 30 or whatever it was. So I don't know. Like uh, that's why that's the biggest problem I have with the NBA. I generally enjoy watching the NBA playoffs because I think the players actually start to play and you see the best players go at it head to head and I'll enjoy that. Like today, the Sixers and and the Celtics, like watching James Harden and, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Joel Embiid all, you know, go at it as hard as they can. Like that's entertaining. That's genuinely entertaining to me. Like I had, that was a great game. I watched the entire thing, but then like, yeah, an overtime thriller dude came down to the last possession and but then you have games like last night in the Lakers and the Warriors, and it's like, dude, it didn't matter if the Warriors hit every shot, they still would have lost because of the way that the game was officiated. Yep. And that's just so uh, it's just makes me not, it just is disheartening to see, I guess. But it's a
0: turn off to the appeal, of the right? Yeah, is, like, um, it almost is like, should I even watch the next game? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it gonna be like this every time? I'm and
1: gonna- it's because. You know, if you look at it, it's because it's Steph versus LeBron. That's the big Showtime series that the NBA wants to push right now. So, because they, you know, they squared off in the final so many times before, and now they finally get to see each other in the Western uh, Conference playoffs, and so now they want this to go seven. If they if the Warriors still won at home or still won away, they're more than likely going to win one at home. So, I would watch for the next game to I think the Lakers win this next one. I think Golden State goes home, goes back. They go back to Golden State. Golden State wins game 6. Or wait. Game 5 and game Game 5. Two. Yeah. I think so that would be what, 3-2. I think Golden State wins. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry, so they play one more at LA. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think LA wins the next one. So that puts the series at three one. Three one. I think Golden State goes home, wins at home. That puts at, at three two. I think LA comes back. They go back to LA. Golden State wins at LA. They go back to they go back to get to to Golden State for game seven. And I think LA wins in game seven. At away at Golden State. Man. That's my prediction for the series anyway. Because that would be the best narrative for the NBA. LeBron still got it at 38, you know.
0: I said it was rigged if (laughs) LeBron and them went up three one and Steph and Clay and them come back and win three one or come back from three one and get the get the revenge. From the Cavaliers. the serve.
1: revenge verse, the revenge sweep, or yeah. the rever, the revenge reverse sweep, I guess it would yeah. be. I guess technically it wouldn't be a reverse sweep because they didn't go down three zero, but yeah. three one is still a hell of a that's a hell, hell of a comeback.
0: I'd like to see the Lakers move on. I really do.
1: I think it's I just a better. I think it's a better uh, narrative. I think them versus Denver would, would probably be more appealing than them versus Golden State. They're Denver versus Golden State.
0: The Nuggets and Suns are playing right now. I know.
1: I've got it on my TV here.
0: Yeah, the Suns, they finally pulled one out. I was worried. and It only took Devin Booker, 49, and KD, 37, to pull out a W. I don't yeah. think
1: to repeat that, bro. They're not going to play that high of a clip. I mean, the ncp 3s out, you know, so I think Denver wins this one, 6 it depends on who wins tonight, but I'd say I'd say Denver probably takes this series.
0: That Celtics Sixers series though
1: is a that's I gonna to be, be a good pressure, one. Bro. That's is that. that a yes, I, mean, I like. Uh, I think those are great matchups. Though I think both teams match up very well with each other. Yeah, and so that's probably the most evenly matched uh, series right now, as far as just roster and, and play style.
0: I want to say early on when we talked about NBA in one of our episodes early on in the NBA season, I want to say that I picked the Sixers and Celtics to be the Eastern Conference final. And we're getting that finals ma- that Eastern Conference final matchup in the second round. And that's crazy to me. Like I would have thought that they both would have been one and two. But I'm rooting for the heat all the way out of the Just I came back and put on a goddamn show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, they're, I, they've, they're the Cinderella, you know, they're the, like the bell of the ball. Everybody's rooting for them. Yeah. If they win this series, I think they said they'll be the, only the second eight seed in history to ever make it to the conference finals. Yeah.
0: Did you know that it is a uh, – what's it called? A uh... – I forget how they worded it, but it's a rank rankagami or something like that. There's a one seed, a two seed, a three seed, a four seed, a five seed, six seed, seven seed, and eight seed. Yeah,
1: it was the first time in NBA history that they've had one through eight seeds in the, in the second round.
0: That's crazy. <laughs> that is that is pretty nuts. That's actually nuts.
1: <sighs> I mean, uh, it's just the chips fell fell where they perfectly for it. I mean, uh. But yeah, I mean, it's been it's been pretty entertaining. I just don't. Just last night, kind of, kind of put had put a bad taste in my mouth yep. watching that game. But I think it's going to be fun to watch, regardless.
0: This is new. I seen uh, you know, Micah Parsons, linebacker, Dallas Cowboys. He was at the Sixers game in a Philadelphia jersey. My man want to be an Eagle, so damn bad.
1: Yeah, except the uh, except he got he's getting paid in Dallas, so I don't think he'll be going anywhere. Nah, he's not going anywhere. Is he from Philly? Uh
0: he went to Penn State, I know that.
1: Yeah, so I mean he probably has close ties in that area.
0: Yeah. Definitely loves the Philadelphia area. I mean, if he's there rooting for the Sixers, he's gotta be some kind of Philadelphia sports fan.
1: Yeah, for sure. Philly fans are always they're like I feel like that um like, their sports culture, that city, their sports culture, I feel like it just captivates it. Like, if you're in it, you're in it for life, you know? Like, you don't hear of any casual Philly fans. Like, if you're a Philly, if you're a Philadelphia Philly, like, baseball fan, or you like the the Eagles, or the Sixers, or, what's the hockey team? Is it the Flyers? Flyers, Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, if you're any of those, uh, like, if you're a fan of any of those teams, then you're like, in it for life,
0: you know? Were you able to watch any of that UFC matchups, the matchups last
1: night? No, dude, I couldn't find a, I couldn't find a stream. I thought about buying it. I thought about buying it, but it's just not worth it for 80 bucks. Like there wasn't anybody else interesting on the card. Like usually if there's at least two fights on the card that I want to see, then I'll buy it. But I mean I wanted to see the Algermain Sterling and Henry Cejudo fight, but like everybody else just I don't even still wasn't appealing to me, you know. So I'm not gonna drop eighty bucks on that.
0: It's uh it ended up being a good fight. I only watched um
1: It went to decision, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it went to decision. And it went Sterling's or uh yeah, it went uh, against Shijudo win Sterling's favor, but the highlight for me is that I think Sterling is uh, going to end up fighting Sean O'Malley.
1: Yeah, I saw the the little like back and forth they had. I saw where O'Malley came up in the octagon and was talking shit. Cause I actually he, tweeted about it. Did you see what I said? I said, this has WWE vibes written all over it, what and exactly it, feels it feels icky. Like,
0: yeah. It seems like you know, O'Malley's one of those guys, like, you either love him or you hate him, and it would be, everybody's always, like, the the argument against O'Malley has been, you know, he never takes the big fight, and he's come out and said he's only going to take a fight if it's for a belt. Well, here's the opportunity for either the O'Malley haters to, you know, get what they've been looking for and see him get his ass beat. Or him come out, take a belt, shut everybody up. And I think that would be I think that would be a ticket worth buying, you know what
1: I'm saying? Yeah, I like O'Malley. Yeah, I like O'Malley. Too. I like O'Malley. I think he's a pretty entertaining fighter. But uh kinda what I was getting at was like it makes me feel icky, is because I want the or the UFC to be genuine. I don't want there to be like I understand like promoting a fight and getting hyped up about a fight and like you know, creating a kind of simulating a rivalry that way people will buy the ticket. But I want it to be genuine. I want it to be like real fight. You know, like and I don't doubt that the guys go out there and give it their all. I'm not saying that, but like, I don't want there to be any like narratives of like, Oh, we got to have this matchup and this matchup. I want them to fucking earn it. I want it to be the best guy versus the best guy. All the time. And I know it doesn't always happen that way in boxing, any combat sport. You know, like a guy's going to get a shot because of his name sometimes. Yeah. You know, I get that. But I think since the UFC got, or the, what was the group that owns the UFC also owns WWE now?
0: Yeah. WWE.
1: Yeah. The WWE sold for like $9 billion or some shit. Yeah to the same people that own the UFC. So I feel like slowly, but surely we're going to see the same elements of WWE, some of the same elements of WWE creep into the UFC game. And some of it might be good, but I feel like you're just taking the, you're taking the, what the, the, the fabric. Of, yes. The authenticity of it. You're taking the authenticity of it out. Yeah. And that's what really brought me to the UFCs.
0: It was best on best in the matchups, and like if you weren't at the top, you were fighting your way up. There wasn't no, you know, showmanship to it. It all
1: started with McGregor. I feel like. It, well, it, really, it all started with Chael Sonnen, uh, and then and then Chael Sonnen into McGregor. McGregor kind of perfected it, and so and McGregor. I feel like McGregor got certain fights just based, on because they knew he was going to sell tickets. Yeah.
0: And now every face off, you know, there's a clip pulled out of it where it's the social media thing runs everything and it's going to run into the UFC now and they're all going to want the showmanship, the WWE shit, like whatever's going to get more clicks, views. I mean, that's that's the way the world's going. So there is going to be definitely some kind of leak over into it, but I'm hoping it's not. Well, there's also a thought to be like, how many, how many UFC guys are going to come to the end of their career and transition into WWE fighters, too?
1: Yeah, and I don't know, uh, you know, about the pay scale or anything, but I know UFC guys don't make a lot of money.
0: WWE guys get paid. Unless you're
1: like the top, you know, top two or three guys in your division, you're not making money. Yeah. And so I could definitely see a lot of dudes making that. That could be like a little pipeline for the WWE to get these personalities from where they're too old to fight, where they're not too old to wrestle. You know? Yeah.
0: And then vice versa, too. You'll probably see some guys that were you know WWE guys start to transition their way into cage fighting looking for that extra edge. You
1: never know. I, I, I don't know. know. Did you... I mean, they've already tried with CM Punk. Did you yeah, see that? Sure. CM Punk was terrible in
0: <laughs> I could see it. Brock Lesnar did it.
1: True. But Brock Lesnar is a fucking, fucking unit. Fucking, yeah. One uh-huh. of one.
0: Um, I also wanted to say, did you see about the Kentucky Derby and like how there was in the horse stalls prior to the race. There was like, I can't remember exactly how many horses, but they all just ended up getting sick and dying. And there was, they had to like put in filler horses. No. Instead of running like 25 horses, they only ran 18.
1: No, I didn't see that.
0: Yeah. There was a big ordeal about a bunch of horses just randomly dying in the stalls.
1: They probably got the COVID vaccine. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> there were the shots in there and I, I i say that because a lot of the betting people there was a bunch of people that would bet that bet on horses prior to the race and the information hadn't come out yet that they were you know obviously not going to race yeah and the books kept their money counted them as losers cause oh that's
1: fucking shady
0: yeah they disqualified so it just seems like There's going to be a huge investigation. There'll probably be lawsuits. Yeah, of course, of course. And I'm going to turn this into, we really need to start fucking looking into betting and talking betting.
1: Well, that makes me not want to bet.
0: Well, fuck horse racing. That's the (laughs) It's like, I can't get behind that, bro. You don't know shit about horses.
1: Yeah, you're a degenerate if you fucking gamble on horses.
0: Yeah. Like this horse, you're, like, slapping the water cash on your ass while you're fucking hyping them on. Get
1: it out, come on. No. You're just looking at odds and being like, all right, I'm picking that one.
0: Yeah, exactly. I can't I can't get behind that. And then the whole appeal of the Kentucky Derby, I feel like, is just so you can put on the, the weirdest-looking, ugliest clothes possible and stand out in the crowd.
1: It's so you can look like a 1920s fucking yeah. gangster and – it's just for like rich people, though. You know, like yeah, 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 yeah. I've never—I've lived in Kentucky my whole life, and I've never once watched the Kentucky Derby. I've never even gone to a derby party. I've never thought about going to, you know, Keeneland or wherever the fuck it is that they have the derby.
0: Yeah, I think it's Keeneland.
1: Just never appealed to me, you know. Uh,
0: that doesn't appeal to me at all. But I will. I guess transition. Speaking of for the rich people. Did you see that the Tennessee Titans got an approval on a new stadium?
1: Oh, yeah, that stadium's going to be sick.
0: It's going to be sick, and there's 15,000 less seats in it than there is currently, which to me tells me that there's going to be more.
1: Tickets are going to be more expensive.
0: More expensive, and there's going to be more suites. So you're getting rid of the common Tennessee fan, basically booting them out and saying, if you want in the gates, you either pay a high-ass ticket price or you're paying for a suite, which I guess you bring all these rich people to Nashville, it's going to transform a city, but in the same breath, you're going to lose the fans that are actually fans instead of making it a celebrity matchup. It's like, yeah, we got Morgan Wallen in the suite up there, but the the guys who were going to paint their body up and cheer their ass off are at home now.
1: Yeah, it's moving in a direction where – I mean, it's almost unaffordable for some, for some people to go, you know, like, you know, we weren't, my family wasn't like rich growing up or anything, but my dad still scrounged up enough, you know, money for us to go to, to a game every now and then. Like, I was a big Titans fan back in the day when they had Eddie George and, and Steve McNair and them, but like, I don't know. It just seems like now if you're not ready, if, if say, if you want to take your little, your son or your daughter, or maybe your girlfriend or whatever, you're going to drop at least five to $800 at yeah. least I at, so. at minimum. And that's tickets, travel, hotel, you know, hotel. And if you want to get food, that's another hundred bucks right there.
0: At least. Yeah. You're not buying at the ballpark because you better budget another couple hundred bucks. It's wild. It's the that's a that's a topic that I could discuss on for a long time, but we won't break it into it into this episode. Definitely save it for another episode. But ticket prices and the cost of attending a sports event is it's going at a rate in which we're gonna the real fans are gonna end up watching at home, and then even then you can't even pay for the fucking Sunday ticket because it's four hundred bucks.
1: Right. Um, so you got to watch it on fucking whatever your local, you know, that's why I get Colts and Titans games every, every weekend instead of the teams I actually want to watch. You know
0: what we need to
1: do? I think they need to do, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think they need to, they need to make like a pay-per-view service where you get to pick out games that you want to watch. Like say you can pay 50 bucks to watch this game or 50 bucks to watch Mm -hmm. that game, you know, or whatever. Or it has like a little package deal. Like you pay 125 for four games. And you get to pick what games you want to watch.
0: Yeah, I would pay, I would pay a, a good, a good price to make sure that I got the Eagles games on my TV every single.
1: That's week. That's what I'm day. saying, dude. Like I'm not a big, like obviously, like I'm a Falcons fan, yeah. and I say that reluctantly. And I don't, honestly, I don't give a fuck about watching them because they're usually trash every year. Yeah. But like, if there's a certain matchup that I want to watch, like I want to be able to pay to see that game, yeah. you know.
0: There shouldn't be regional televised games only, you know, on this certain area. I get that that's what sells in your market, but to the larger mass, it
1: would mean- Well, as we transition away from cable and into the new streaming era of entertainment, I feel like that needs that's a viable option. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a million-dollar idea. Maybe I need yeah. to pitch that to a fucking CBS exec or well, something. Well, I was about to
0: say, maybe me and you need to... Start an illegal stream site Where we just stream the games And pay a premium For the pay-per-view And you can watch Whatever game you
1: want We just get Sunday ticket And then yeah Y'all pay us to yeah. <laughs> We'll figure out The logistics you know, you know You
0: can find it On our Patreon <laughs>
1: Yeah there you go There you go
0: The link is in our Patreon You just gotta pay the, subs- the subscription To get in Actually Dude that's kind of A fucking genius idea
1: I know We need to copyright that Right uh, now
0: you guys didn't
1: hear shit. I'm deleting. Cut that out. Yeah, cut, cut that, that out, out of here. the
0: pod. All right. Let's put a wrap on her.
1: All right. Been a good episode. I feel like I know we got kind of uh, invigorated there at the beginning with the whole, you know, politics, speak and everything. And then we had some good NBA talk, but it's a good episode. I feel like we're moving in the right right direction. We just got to keep... Keep working, st- uh, stay consistent, get consistent with our drops. I really like this idea of the religion, the religious episode. I feel like we need to do at least a two parter. I feel like people would, would enjoy that. Yeah. It's really something that I feel like everybody can, has an opinion on, you know, so we'll be looking out for that. Shout out to, um, Her name is Kayla. Shout out Kayla. Thank you for the new art. We love it.